What's going on, everybody? Before we kick off today's episode, I wanted to tell you about two awesome challenges that are about to kick off next week. Both challenges are brought to you by Own Your Eating, the company that my wife and I founded, and both challenges are guaranteed to bring you success. You can check out the 30-Day Transformation Challenge, and that's for those of you that are newer to macros. As we know, if you want to build a better body, you have to start with nutrition. This 30-Day Transformation Challenge is an interactive lifestyle challenge with a focus on developing sustainable nutrition habits. That's the key to any good nutrition program. This is not a 30-day fix. This is not a 30-day, you know, lose 10 pounds and gain it all back. This is something that's going to last you a lifetime. You can sign up with your friends and your family to make this an even more fun and motivating experience. In addition to that, we have our 30-day Get Lean Challenge. This is designed for those of you that are a little more knowledgeable when it comes to nutrition. We're going to take those nutrition habits and your fitness to the next level. If you've already tracked macros or if you've taken part of our other challenges in the past, this is exactly for you, helping you push past any plateau. And we're going to incorporate some things such as nutrient timing, fasting, and much more. This is a great challenge for those of you really looking to bust through to that next level. You can find both of these challenges on SugarWad, link in the show notes. And if you use the code BESTHOUR, that's BESTHOUR, you'll get 10% off. I highly recommend you guys checking it out. And if you have any questions, of course, you can reach out to me. This next challenge starts September 14th. Like me, we've all been putting our nutrition, our fitness off on the back burner, quarantine, pandemic, all these things that are going on in life. It's time to take back control of your own nutrition. It's time to take your body, your health, your mind, your spirit, everything to that next level. Let us help you out with these Own Your Eating Challenges. Again, link in the show notes. Use code BESTHOUR for 10% off. We're live. All right, Jay. Today we're talking about Chapter 10, Have Empathy. And this is going to be one roller coaster of a chapter. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, get your tissues you, out. Yeah, get the tissues out. Uh, maybe put the kids away too. You know, like, who, knows, <laughs> who knows what's 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 going to happen? You think a lot so of parents are uh, listening to this with their children? It's possible. You know, I think I think there's a great learning experience that can be had from having your children listen to this audiobook. As long as, long as they're not using it as a means to get their kids to fall asleep. Yeah, hopefully that's that's not happening. So let's dive into it. The The crux of this chapter is Jason Murphy, our mutual friend. We both love him. Murph, as we, as we know him and many do, uh, when he first joined Albany CrossFit, he was uh, very obese. Uh, 400 pounds was the most you guys were able to track on the scale at the gym, uh, but he was possibly more than that. I don't, it doesn't say a specific number in the book, and I asked him, he hasn't gotten back to me on what the specific number it was, but he was very large. Yeah, and I mean, the legend, the legend of Murph's weight grew over time. Over um, time. You know, I, you know, I would say, oh, he's 500 pounds. But the truth is we didn't know. And I don't even think we got that. I don't remember what the scale in the locker room goes up to. I don't think it hits 400. So I think if he did that, he probably, truthfully, like not a joke, went to like a grocery store to weigh himself. I would, if I, if, if I had to peg it, 
I'd put it at 450. Okay, so 450. I don't think he was like 500 pounds, like he's going to be on the, a TV show, you know, like, but he was yeah. certainly, it wasn't going to go down, but it, I don't think he was like, you know, he was still moving around. He still had a job. Like he was able to come in and do some squats. It wasn't like he was immobile. So I don't think he was much more than that. Yeah. And he, he was a, a chef at local college, you know, so he had a job, you know, he was, he has uh, had an, uh, a life that he was attending to, you know, but obviously the weight was an issue. And he was actually introduced to uh, Albany CrossFit through his brother, Josh Murphy. So let's, let's, uh, we'll work our way to Murph. Let's talk about Josh first. Uh, let's, let's talk about who Josh is, how you know him. He's involved with CrossFit, right? Uh, he might still be, I don't know if he is, uh, but let's talk about Josh. Well, it's funny because you said, let's talk about Josh, not Murph. It's, it's, it's always been amusing to me how they're both Murphs, but one yeah. kind of gets the nickname and one doesn't. And, and Jason, who we refer to as Murph, is actually the younger brother. Um, yes. So Josh Murphy, great dude. I met him originally. So we, we've talked and we'll, and we'll talk more about the very first competition I threw, the East Coast CrossFit Championships, right? Yep. That was the one in 2008, the first competition that wasn't a games, comp, uh, meaning a CrossFit event. We threw it in the parking lot. And the first time I ever met Josh Murphy, we're getting ready to do the CrossFit total. That's the first event of the weekend. Saturday morning, total. Uh, Saturday afternoon, a 5K run. Sunday, the hopper event. So we're getting ready to do this CrossFit total. And at the time, we only had one room, the original room. But Shai uh, allowed me to rent. He didn't allow me to borrow. I rented an additional room or two for this competition to have like a warm-up area and to give people kind of a place to chill out and settle down. So I remember at one point walking into this room and there's this dude doing burpees and in, in, in weightlifting shoes, mind you. And I'm like, dude, why are you doing burpees right now? You're about to go squat. And he's like, oh, we're in the middle of this burpee challenge at the box. It was the one where you do, you know, one on day one, two on day two. We did it many times at Albany CrossFit. And that was my first interaction. I'm like, it made like, no sense to me that this dude's doing burpees before he had to go lift this heavy weight, but that's who Josh Murphy is. And I got to know him over the years. Like, I think the next time I saw him was when I took uh, coach Ripito's powerlifting course. He and I both took it at the old CrossFit Boston, you know, owned by Neil Thompson. And then just after that, we were moderating the old forums together. So we'd be on calls regularly with Lynn Pitts and a handful of other OGs that were helping monitor the boards, but he just became a friend and he would always refer to his brother. I got to get my brother in. I got to get my brother in. And then finally, you know, years, this is, you know, a year and a half to two years later, he finally got his brother in. And now he works for CrossFit stills, right? Uh, he works on the charitable side. Yeah. And I'm not exactly sure what role he has anymore, but he's still definitely involved. He was a, he was a big part of the CrossFit for hope movement and the other fundraisers that CrossFit has done. So yeah, he's still involved. He still regularly talks to coach Glassman. If, if, if there's a big competition around, he's often there representing the, the charitable uh, companies. So yeah, he's still involved in different ways. I'm not sure exactly what he does. And, and you mentioned uh, Lynn Pitts. Is that Lynn as in the workout Lynn is named after her? 
Yes, and she will get very mad at you if you leave off the E. Okay, actually, you know what? I just wrote it down on my paper to remind myself to ask you that, and I left off the E. So hopefully she doesn't listen to this. Yeah, so, and that's something a lot of people don't realize. A lot of the old classic workouts, there was kind of like an original batch that got launched, Fran, Diane, Helen, Cindy, Mary, and then there was a second wave, Nicole, um, Lynn, a, a handful of others. Ava, that were, Kelly. Yeah, Eva, Kelly, that were actually after, named after the staff there. So Lynn was one of them. And it's, to this day, cool. one of my, it's probably one of the workouts I've done the most often because when I don't feel like doing a crossover workout, I'll hit Lynn. Yeah, it's five rounds, max reps on body weight bench press and max reps on pull-ups. Correct. And, you know, there's always debate. What's the right way to do it? The right way to do it is go, just start, you know, but then you can kind of tweak it. So you, it's kind of like the West side model where you're always PRing, right? You can do it where you rest certain time in between sets. You can do it where it's strict pull-ups, kipping pull-ups, butterfly, you know, so you can always change it so you don't get that stress of, oh no, I'm hitting a benchmark workout. Yeah, I've always liked that about Lynn, where there's uh, it's open for interpretation. Whereas Fran is very much, you know, here's what you got to do, and yeah, it's very rigid. Exactly. So Josh, he you get to know Josh, and he's been telling you for quite some time. I got to get my brother into the gym, and eventually he convinces Murph to come to Albany CrossFit. And uh, in the text, it talks about the story with with Matt. Uh, Matt, one of the coaches at the gym. Uh, this is uh, Matt Franco, right? Correct. So this is Matt. So Murph comes into the gym and he's there to, to do a workout and Matt was concerned. And uh, this was something that, that Murph read and he remembers it a little bit differently. Well, and, so, and I'm glad, you know, you, you and Murph still work together over at Albany yep. CrossFit. And so I'm glad to hear Murph's side because kind of like I told him and I've told you like, all these stories are just, you know, coming from my memory. So if I've made any uh, embellishments or mistakes, I certainly want to hear them. Exactly. So we're we're going to clear the air. Uh, it's um, like a, where were you the on, story. on the night of you know, May yep. of twenty ten when Murph walked into the gym? So you know, if if you've read the the book or you listened to the the audio book portion that chapter or this chapter chapter ten, you know, you heard the story where Matt says uh to you oh my goodness you know he's so big he's gonna die you know we can't we can't train him and that that is um uh, a true statement uh murph said that you know matt was concerned you know he didn't know if, if we should be training someone who is obese he should be sent to a doctor uh but what was different was uh who was there so murph says that you weren't there for that interaction uh but eugene was and in the beginning when murph joined the gym uh, he trained under Eugene. Uh, he and Eugene, uh, you know, sparked up a relationship because Eugene was big into Dungeons and Dragons, which in the text it says that Murph was, but Murph was not into Dungeons and Dragons. This was uh, this is important. Yeah, uh, Murph is an avid gamer, and it was their love of gaming that sparked their relationship. You know, between him and Eugene. But it wasn't so, specifically Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, it wasn't specifically Dungeons and Dragons. All right. Uh, you know, like, Noted. Like if, if you're a nerd, you have your standards <laughs> on where, you know, like, like, is it Star Trek? Is it Star Wars? You know, like there's very clear lines here, Jay, that you may not understand. Well, so let me, well, let me throw the other thing in. And then 
I agree. Uh, Murph and, and Gene really became fast friends, and I believe they still are to this day. But the other commonality that they had outside of their love of gaming was when Gene started, he was also quite large. I mean, we're talking, you know, probably 330, 340, you know, big dude. He's a, he's a, he's a muscular dude, and he can move. There's an old videos of Gene kipping off the floor, like from his back to standing, which – I've never been able to do so. And now he's a firefighter. So he's clearly got a fitness background, but he was, but he was large. So I think, yeah, he's, you know, having that kind of common history really helped them. Yeah. And they, they had something to, you know, to bond over as well. And, you know, they can, it makes it easier to train with someone when, you know, you're, you're taking a break and you can relate to them on a topic, you know, okay. I like cars too. I like wrestling too, or, I like gaming. Uh, what games do you play? You can spark I, yeah, up that. Yeah, I don't play Dungeons and Dragons, is what he would say. Yeah. So, uh, so Murph, you know, he joined the gym. He did fundamentals with Eugene, which uh, he said was essentially he was coming to a class that Eugene was training some of his friends, you know, and Murph kind of hopped into that group, and uh, he Eugene was the person who gave him his first nutrition advice which is uh, something that's a little bit different from what it says in the text. So Eugene was, was working with Murph quite a bit. And then once Murph started to integrate into regular classes, he started working with Ke uh, Kevin, uh, maybe Caleb a little bit. And he mentions that he didn't actually meet you uh, until maybe about six months later after joining the gym, because he was in much earlier in the day and you were in you know later in the day. Well, that sounds pretty accurate. I would also like to say, I think, you know, for either of us, this is 10 or more years ago. So I'm sure we both kind of have our memories of it. I'm certainly not disputing it. And the big picture is, hey, Murph was able to make a big life change. I know I met him, you know, much faster than six months. Maybe I didn't interact with him quite as often as, as it might have um, been said to be in the text. But I'm sure that we've interact interacted uh, there were there were days, believe it or not, I was there before nine a.m. Although they may have been yeah. far and few in between. Far and few in between. Uh, so let, let's talk a little bit. I want to pause on Murph and I want to talk about Eugene because uh, he's certainly uh, uh, him, Stacy, Joy. You know they are a part of Albany CrossFit. Um, Eugene was a coach. Joy went on to open up CrossFit Beyond. She was a member and uh, was she a coach at Albany CrossFit? At the time, Joy? Yeah, or ever. You know, I think that's a gray area. Um, Joy, I think she wanted to coach, and I don't want, but I think there was some uh, drama around uh -huh. her, so I don't think we were ever comfortable giving her full reign. But she certainly helped out, and she certainly is a great coach now, and I know she has her box. She may have sold it. Did she sell CrossFit Beyond? Uh, no, I don't believe so. But then again, I wouldn't know, you know, unless I saw. Yeah, it yeah. But she she turned, you know, she had a she she made a great little box down in downtown Albany. Yeah, CrossFit Beyond's been around for a while. You know, at one point it was just Albany CrossFit and Beyond, and then Clifton Park popped up, and then Collar City. You know, so they those were some of the first first gyms there. So let's let's talk about Eugene. Uh, he was on the coaching staff, right? Gene was probably my fourth coach. I mean, Matt was a coach. 
And I think Matt had left at this point. Jess became a coach. Uh, Viv and my ex-girlfriend Nikki were coached. So Gene was probably one of the first few. And I remember, it's a funny story, having to, uh, I think we had to fast track Gene's coaching because there was a period of time where it might have been Brett wasn't able to come in. And I was like, hey, Gene, uh, I know you haven't coached yet, but we need you to start tomorrow. So he was just a member and, but he had some interest in coaching or he was just vocal or he's got, he's got a great personality too. So yeah. I, I could definitely, I've never taken a class with Eugene or seen him coach, but I can imagine he's got a way with the room. Great personality, fun guy to be around. And I think, you know, especially back then he really made a big transformation in his own life. So I think people really respected that. And it was, you know, it, it resonated with people. He was, he was really probably the first big life transformation in the sense that he actually got really lean, got very fit, incredibly strong, started dating a girl far out of his league, eventually marrying her. Um, so, I mean, he was truly, maybe this chapter should have been about Gene, but you know, he, uh, he really, he really made a big life transformation. And the, the, the girl you mentioned that he married is Stacy, who is Joy's daughter. Yeah, and, and we've kind of talked about it off and on in the past. Like there was a, I, I got to find it. I've, I've really struggled to find this, but hopefully I can find it by the time we release this book. But Gene and I became friends and we would talk about this. Like he was into Stacy, And I remember setting up the challenge of Gene versus Stacy, And like, it, like Stacy was kicking his ass, you know, because it was, it was, you know, men's weight versus women's, but ultimately gene won because he was able to nail down stacy you know so yeah. i gotta find those videos. and you can kind of almost see the look in her eyes start to change over time you know like who's this crazy guy to like you know i'm gonna marry this dude cupid's uh crossfit arrow <laughs> it was really the first re big relationship that came out of the gym and now they have you know a couple kids i think so those those are albany crossfit kids yeah i mean it's 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 just so funny to think about where where those that little fun competition you know what it resulted in. Now, um, so Gene is married to Stacy. Uh, they're both coming to Albany CrossFit. Joy's coming to Albany CrossFit, and also uh, Joy's husband at the time, Stephen, was a member of Albany CrossFit. Uh, and so I just wanted to kind of segue a little bit and talk about this. Um, Stephen was a member of Albany CrossFit, and then he passed away. Uh, so I just want to kind of get your thoughts and and learn about your experiences on having a member pass away and reacting to that and bringing the community together and how it affected the community at the time. Yeah, I mean, it was really tough. Stephen, like a lot of significant others, you know, Joy dove headfirst into it. And I think Stephen didn't love CrossFit, but he came in to support Joy and it was really great for their marriage. And you know, these were like, he joined and these were, his final maybe six months, maybe a tiny bit longer, you know, and he became just a valuable part of the community. It was just really valuable because it was nice to see Joy have her whole family there. And, you know, he passed away suddenly and it was tough for the community, tough because, you know, Joy was a big part of our community, but we quickly turned it into a workout. Let me see if I can remember it exactly, James. I got I it written it was, down right here. All right, I'm going to try to remember. I think it was 10 rounds, 
I want to say 200 meter run because it was a lap around the island. I, I don't remember exactly, but I want to say 30 air squats and 10 burpees, 10 rounds of that. And, and before you, yep, that, before you, that's it. That was it. Cool. But that's um, not the, that's not the order, but that, those are the, yeah. 30 air squats, 200 meter run, 10 burpees. Uh, other way around 10, 10 burpees, 20, 200 meter run. Yep. 10, 20, 30. Okay, cool. I knew that. Yeah. Makes sense. And I know like it was, at least the tradition at the time, because I was probably there for maybe four or five iterations of it. And I used to make a video every year with the song Soul Shine in the background, because it kind of just became part of that, um, you know, time for us and one of my favorite songs. But we'd always all do the first round as a, as a community. And then the next nine rounds would kind of be on your own. And, and it was one of those workouts that everybody would stay and finish together. Yeah, it's... Um... I'd, I've been a part of a couple Steven events and I can tell you there's, there's no community event quite like it, you know, 10 rounds, 10 burpees, 200 meter run, 30 air squats. And the fact that everyone does the first round together is pretty special where you have literally several hundred people in the Albany CrossFit parking lot doing burpees at the same time. Everyone's running and really there'd be a bottleneck around the parking lot and people would just be walking around and then you do those air squats and everyone kind of goes around their own. And that's one of those workouts that really bring out that cheering and community aspect of CrossFit where everyone waits till everyone is done. And this is a couple hundred people. So we're waiting for everyone to finish. And as soon as you're done, you just go find a pocket of people to cheer on. And yeah. it's pretty cool. And yeah, there's it, a, there's the videos are on Albany CrossFit's YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, definitely check out. I definitely post those. And, you know, a couple of things that I always, and remember fondly about the events is all the boxes used to show up, you know, Collar City would show up, Beyond would show up and, you know, other, other boxes over the years, even as people left, that was one of the few events that always brought everybody back. And, you know, when we programmed that event, two things were important to me. One, that we can have a lot of people do it. That's why it's all bodyweight movements, but also an event where, just about everybody can do it RX. It's just a matter of how long it's going to take you. You know, the, the fastest people are doing that in 25 minutes or so. And, you know, there are people taking up to an hour. But like we've said, you know, everyone sticks around for, for everyone on Steven. Now, what, what advice do you have for a box owner or a, a coaching staff that has to go through something like this? You know, it's, it's something that we hope never happens, right? you know, the death of a member, but how do you react to it? How do you address your community? And do you do an event like this or is it okay not to? I mean, like, what are your, what are your thoughts? I think, yeah, I mean, I think obviously this was a slightly different time. Everybody knew everybody, but you know, it's no different than, you know, any tragedy or any time something bad happens, like we can use it to actually bring our community closer together. And I think that's what we did. You know, if I, I would say maybe one other thing you can do is, you know, potentially tie into a charitable organization that either, you know, joy in this situation or Stephen would have wanted it to go to. But more importantly, it's just became, like you said, a tradition that I would say the first one was probably, I don't know what year he passed away, but it was shortly after. I would call it like 2012, maybe. So, I mean, nearly 10 years later, I, I believe the workout still happens now maybe at CrossFit Beyond, but I think at least all of the boxes in town may actually still run Steven. Yeah, um, 
I, I know we don't do it at Albany CrossFit anymore uh, after you left. Uh, Joy wanted to kind of bring it back to her gym or bring it to her gym. And uh, I haven't heard much about it since. So I, I don't know if they still do it. You know, it's very possible, maybe, you know, I can't speak for her, but I would just imagine for myself, I know for myself, if I was in that situation, at a certain point, I would want to move beyond it, you know, move past it, so to say. Yeah, and, you know, she's certainly entitled to that, but uh, it's, a, it's a great workout if anybody wants to, you know, check it out themselves, I would highly recommend it. If you just need a workout that gets you moving for 30 or 40 minutes, go for it. So let's go back to Murph. Let's bring it back. <laughs> yeah, let's bring it back to Murph. So, so um, he, he's at the gym, he's working with Eugene, Kevin, Caleb, he's making progress. He eventually meets you at some point in the history and uh, he's losing a lot of weight, having good progress. And then uh, you guys start to form a relationship. Uh, and really what he said is, uh, you guys started to build your relationship when he went to dinner with you and Caleb. So he went out to dinner with you and Caleb and he said at that dinner, you asked him to start coaching or you brought up this, the, 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 the topic. And Josh reached out to CrossFit HQ. They got him a spot at a level one seminar. He takes the level one. He starts coaching. Uh, many might many might not know this, you know, for those of you who actually know Murph, but he quit his job uh, working as a chef and started working at Albany CrossFit for free for quite some time, doing various projects and starting to come on the coaching staff. Uh, so what what sparked your interest in getting him on the coaching staff? Full disclosure, I don't remember that dinner, um, but I will say I kind of remember the time frame, and I just remember this is when Caleb and I were just around each other 24 hours a day and, you know, constantly just talking and brainstorming, and oftentimes terrible ideas would come from it, but once in a while we'd have a good one, and I think we both just saw in Murph, you know, this, this person that was trying to make a change, and we wanted to be a part of it. That's all I remember. I know we couldn't, you know, afford it. And I do remember him coming on and working for free, but I remember saying like, Hey, what are you making and, and what do you need to survive? And that was a very important thing. I know we got to that pretty quickly. I mean, he clearly stayed on. So I don't think he worked for free for too long, but I know he never got paid a lot at the time. It was like, Hey, how can we help you survive? But we wanted to keep him around. We knew, you know, the more we can be around him and the more he can be at the gym, the better this was going to be for him. Yeah, I imagine it was, it was part of that, that concept of, uh, you know, the, the, take the average of the five people you're around the most and that's you. Is, is, that, is that how it goes? Something like that. I'm not saying we the, were the, the best uh, the sum, influences, the sum. you know. We might not have been the best influences around him, but we, we knew, you know, keeping him near the gym would be the best thing for him. Yeah. So, and then, you know, of course, if he's on the coaching staff, he's going to be even more bought into nutrition and working out and educating himself on those things. And that'll just only make him better in the long run. Cool. And it's probably good as well for the, the general membership too, because he's Murph is quite inspirational, you know, when, well, let when me, people see him. Yeah. I would say that was a big part of it too. If I overlook that, like people loved Murph, like, and you can't help but love him. Like, it's, I mean, not especially, but, but when he was heavier, he just had like such a funny sense of humor. 
you know, just, and he still does. And, you know, he was just like, he was like you when you first started just like, why is James here again? Like you just kept showing up, like, but Murph would show up and like be the guy barbecuing and be like, he just has so many hidden talents. Yeah, I know. I, I first met Murph when I was, when I came to Albany do my internship and that was actually right around the time where he had just quit his job. I was talking you know, to him earlier today just to confirm that. So he had just quit his job and I got to know him a lot that, that summer. And then when I went back home to Binghamton, I did a presentation at the YMCA about CrossFit because it was just, this was a foreign concept to them at the time in 2011. And Murph was part of my presentation. Uh, two things that were a part of my presentation, other than like the, um, the, the pyramid of the hierarchy of athletic development and paleo, uh, was Steven, the event Steven, and also uh, Murph. So perfect timing to tie that all in. But yeah, you know, and Murph is incredibly smart too, especially about like history, politics. Like he talks very intelligently about that stuff. Yeah, he's probably the smartest person you don't know if you don't know who we're talking about right now. <laughs> hey, let's give out his phone number. Just have everybody text him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so um, you know, and he did say at that time, you know, once he came on staff, you and Caleb started to help him even more with nutrition. And that's when things like zones started to come into play. Uh, what advice do you have for the box owner or the coach on helping someone with their nutrition when they're coming in and they're that big? Is so, it different you know, than helping someone who is maybe just out of shape? Yes. And I, you know, I've told this story, you know, I, I use Murph as an example almost every time I do the nutrition lecture at level one seminars. And, you know, clearly they, they're a little bit inaccurate, but I'm glad to hear that I did talk to him about nutrition. So I'm not just completely making this up, you know, but, but one of the things, you know, whether it's Murph or anybody new, like when they're coming in in that level, I mean, literally obese, right? At that point, they're just off the charts. You need to meet them where they are. And that's really where the title of Have Empathy comes from. It's like, originally, like 2007, I opened Albany CrossFit. James, ask me about nutrition. Uh, hey, uh, can you, uh, what can you tell me about nutrition? How can well, you lose weight? It's really simple. All you have to do is eat meats, vegetables, nuts, seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar. And I'm going to need you to keep intake to levels that support exercise, not body fat. Boom. I will get so, right on that. Exactly. You know? <laughs> And that's what it was like, you know, it was more like this, hey, you need to be paleo or you're dumb. Like that was my answer, you know, in a nutshell. And Murph was oh, one of the- It certainly was. I remember getting nutrition advice from you as well. Uh, <laughs> early, to, early 2011, uh, you know, there was all paleo zone at that point. So that was paleo zone when I came in. And, you know, like I had one of those fruit drinks you know, that has, like, it tells you it has five bananas. I remember. Seven apples. You had the, it was the Bolthouse Farms. I remember. Yeah, Bolthouse Farms. Those. Yeah. The 32 ounce and whatnot. And you freaked out over the amount of carbs and sugar in it. Um, bread. You, I, I remember you specifically saying that, you know, white bread was, was death and uh, wheat bread was slower death. Well, that sounds like me. But, you know, Murph was one of the first times I was like, okay, I need to meet people where they are you know, and I've talked about it. And it's like, for a lot of people, that's like, hey, let's, let's turn that soda addiction you have to diet soda. And that sounds like, why would you do that? That's still terrible. Yeah, but it's a lot better. 
And then eventually it's like, hey, let's turn that diet soda to water. Let's think about breakfast. Cool, you're having bacon and eggs for breakfast. Let's do the same for lunch. Cool, you're doing that for all of your meals. Let's think about how much of those you're doing. You know, I used to joke about Murph that we got him to eat better and he would have, you know, bacon in his pockets. And I don't think that's a fabrication, by the way. I don't know if he disputed that, but I'm almost positive he had bacon in his pockets. <laughs> you know, I almost have like a vague memory of him having a Ziploc bag of bacon I'm at telling some point. You. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's one of those things where you're like, wait a minute, am I seeing what I'm seeing in the glove compartment? Is there bacon? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I, I almost feel like that is true. I don't know. I'd have to ask him. And yeah. I, I, I could, I know for a fact, I have seen him with a Ziploc baggie of bacon in his hands at some <laughs> point. So. I don't know if it's when we're at the movies or just driving around or, or coaching at the gym. I don't know. It was one of those things. So, oh man. So having empathy, you know, you mentioned on page 88 uh, that empathy is, you know, how do you work on being more empathetic, you know, um, or, or you, you, you define it. So like, how can someone work on being more empathetic? You know, it seems like it could be something that's hard for people. It is. And I think it's hard for you. Oh yeah. It's incredibly hard. Still is. I think, you know, it's really hard to be empathetic. You have to be able to put yourself in, you have to have similar experiences, I think really is, is one of the keys. And if you don't have those experiences, you have to kind of try to imagine what it was like. And it's hard. It's hard to imagine what it was like to be overweight, you know, especially your whole life. It's, and, you know, so it was really the first time that I was like, I can't just tell this guy to do this because, you know, I think what a big part of that was, was Josh was relying on me. Like Josh, you know, Josh and I spoke quite a bit. I don't know if I talk about that in the text, but Josh would reach out to me. Uh, we were still working together with CrossFit. We were doing CrossFit Hope, which he was a big part of, and Murph became a big part of that as well. Um, but, you know, I, I not only felt like I didn't want to fail Murph, but I didn't want to fail his brother. So I was trying to do those right things. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. You see, like, you've seen those things on fitness shows where they'll put several hundred pounds of weight vest onto someone so they can experience what it's like, you know, to be at a certain weight, you know, whether it be a friend or a client or something and kind of walk them out in their shoes. But really, like, there's the, those, those things, I, I feel like they maybe work to have some understanding, but you also get to take it off, you know, and it's, it's different. You know, like I know at, at times when, you know, like in my youth, when I was more overweight, you, you feel trapped in your own body, you know, and you wish things were a different way and you have, you don't really, and if you don't know or have the tools to change them, you feel stuck. And it, it's hard for someone else who has never had to go through that, I feel, to truly understand it. Yeah. I mean, slapping weight around is on you is one thing, but that doesn't do anything to, you know, show you the you know, the, the emotions that are involved with it or potentially if there was bullying involved or, you know, just how it makes you feel internally. No different than like, you know, people joke around like, oh, we'll put a medicine ball around us and like mimic being pregnant. And it's like, that's cool. But like, it doesn't do anything to account for the hormones that women deal with or the emotions or like how they feel about their body. So same thing. Yeah. Okay. This sucks. I also know I'm taking this thing off in 10 minutes. Yeah. So I feel like there needs to be some kind of homework assignment on working on being empathetic. Um, what, what should the homework assignment for this chapter be? I mean, it, it, like we've talked about it, it's, it's hard to define 
exactly what to do. But I think the bigger picture is just when you're dealing with that tough situation, pause, remove yourself from it and try to figure out how you can meet that person where they are. And that might be the best way for it. Like, hey, if I was in that those shoes, what would just one small thing I can do be? You know, and and again, whether it was me or Gene is insignificant. It's the fact that it happened and it was, hey, you know, a little less soda. Like, let's have some better quality breakfasts. When we got to the zone, like, let's start with just breakfast. Let's let's add lunch later. But, you know, just really one step at a time and meet people where they are. You know, I think I've mm-hmm. used... I've used this analogy a handful of times, I think so far, but it's, you know, I tell people in the nutrition seminar, it's like drinking from a fire hose, you know, a great way to get wet, not a great way to get hydrated. And you can be the best coach in the world, but if you give too much too fast, it's, it's not going to have any impact. You know, you're going to miss your target. Yeah. I, I feel like you almost have to also evaluate where you are in your skill set and your knowledge. And, if you truly know how to appropriately use it, you know, like uh, if, if you're stuck in your ways and you're like, I just don't understand how people eat that crap, you know, you got to do, you know, uh, uh, the, the CrossFit pyramid, that whole thing, paleo 100%, but it, it kind of shows a lack of understanding on how to truly apply it. If you can't meet people like what we're talking about, like, okay, uh, don't stop smoking tomorrow because that's probably not going to work and you'll probably relapse, but maybe you try one less cigarette tomorrow, you know, and, and, and you slowly whittle away, you know, and do what you need to do. Uh, same thing with like uh, soda. Okay, well, let's go to diet soda. I feel like telling someone to go to diet soda as opposed to getting rid of all of the diet soda shows a more complete understanding of what we're trying to get out of nutrition. Yeah, and, and I mean, just the empathy portion. Right. And just to give you that idea, it's like, I don't know how much you drink soda, but I don't drink it a lot. And I don't really care if it's regular or diet. I mean, I only drink diet because it's quote unquote healthier, but I rarely drink soda. So for me, it's like, if you tell me to go from regular to diet, I'm like, what's the difference? But someone like Murph, for example, if he's chugging two liters of Mountain Dew every night, he's going to taste that difference. That may be a huge change to his life. You know, so it's, you have to meet like that. That's the whole point of empathy. I don't give a shit about regular diet, but there are people that do. And if you can't see it from their perspective, it's going to be a battle. So is there a way you can practice it? Oof. I, I, I do think you can practice it. And I think I, like, I wonder if maybe you could practice it in, if you, if you catch yourself making, you know, some of those, those comments, you know, like you, you see someone at the checkout line and you'd kind of judge what's in their basket, maybe try to rationalize it a little bit in your head, you know? Yeah. And a lot of our lessons throughout this book are going to have overlap. Like when you're, when we're talking now reminds me of a future chapter of you never know what someone's going through. And really, I mean, I think if someone's like, Hey, what's the theme of this book? It's like, be a better person, just be a better human being. And, you know, Maybe I'm teaching that through the art of coaching and through this idea of coaching fitness, but really just like, hey, be a better person, remove your ego from the situation, remove your own preconceived notions, and just think about where is this human being in their journey? Exactly. I think that's, that's a perfect way to look at it.
And I just got confirmation too. Um, 470 was the weight. Oh, you heard from Murph during this? I, I did just now, just now. So, so it wasn't rang. too far off then. I mean, 20 pounds, that's like 3% when you're talking 470. I was pretty close. Yeah. Um, so any other thoughts on having empathy? Any other stories that you'd like to share about Murph and the time that you did spend with him and, and got to know with him? Uh, I, like, like we said before, he's a very smart individual. He's very uh, thoughtful on everything that he does for the most part. Uh, one of the things he told me was that he had to kind of figure out his own scaling when he first started. Because uh, Eugene, you know, you know, as we established, he wasn't, you know, uh, uh, a hardened, seasoned coach, and not everyone knew how to work with someone who was nearly 500 pounds. So Murph had to do a lot of that figuring it out on his own. And he said that Eugene told him straight up, because Murph used to thank Eugene profusely, you know, for all of his help. And Eugene just told Murph, uh, as the story goes, uh, you did it all yourself. Like, like you figured it out. You did all the work yourself because Murph would go home and look up the movements and figure out okay how do I do that you know when I go to class tomorrow yeah I think that's great you know I've, I've been lucky enough to talk with quite a few of the well-known adaptive athletes like Kevin Ogar uh, Stouty Logan Steph Hammerman and you know one thing they always tell me about adapting is hey just ask the person and I think that's important and while it may be a little more embarrassing to ask someone that's overweight, like how can we overcome this than someone with one arm or in a wheelchair? You know, it's, it goes back to what I just said. It's like treat people like with, with respect. And if you're coming from a good place, like I'm sure Eugene was, I can see Eugene being very, Eugene's sense of humor is very sarcastic. So I can yeah. see him like being sarcastic, but so is Murph's. And I think, you know, he ultimately, Murph knew Gene was coming from a good place. And so long as you're coming from a good place, which I have no doubt you are, you know, it, I remember meeting someone on Watt on the Waves last year in a wheelchair and he was just watching the workout. And I was like, dude, you got to come in here. And I was like, don't make me wheel you in. And I just, my like first interaction with him, he starts laughing. But it's like, because he knew I was trying to just get him to do this. Like, he wasn't like, this guy's a dick. He's making fun of me. I'm like, no, you're doing this. And after, I still hear from this dude. Like, thank you for showing me that. And I think for so many people, it's just, come from the right place and it's going to be great. And, you know, you asked me if I have anything to really add about this chapter. It's just, no, like when I, when I think back about my time with Murph, you know, if it was six months after he came in or not, like there was probably about three or four years where we spent every day together. And um, those are some of my most fond memories. Um, you know, there was a time we, and, and I'll find this video. There's a time we, Kevin, Caleb and Murph and I drove to, Columbus, Ohio for one of the regionals. And you got stuck probably back at the box working. I don't know yep, if you remember. Coaching all, all the classes. Yep, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> and and there was just a great video. We stopped at one of these. I uh, forget what the name of the restaurant is. It'll be in the video. But there was like a hot wing challenge. And I remember watching Murph do that and just watching how clearly his face was on fire but he was just talking so nonchalantly about it. And he's, oh, this is the best memory. And so we're, we're we, he's drinking a ton of water, as you can imagine. So we, 
he finishes this challenge, like hits the hottest swing possible. The waitress is impressed. We're all like cheering. Uh, the video is great. And we get in the car and like 30 minutes later, he's like, I got to pee. And Kevin and I are in the front seats. I think Kevin was driving and we look at each other and we're like, we're about to have some fun at Murph's expense. So, oh, we, so we're just, I remember we pulled up to the, uh, to, so he's like literally going crazy and we pull up to the toll booth and Kevin and I are just BSing with this toll booth guy for the sheer pleasure of making Murph realize that we're stalling and he's oh, like God. going nuts and then he, so then we start going again and it's like this is like a TV show Murph's screaming I gotta pee so bad but then he goes and drinks from this big gulp that he has and it was like the funniest thing ever that he's yelling at us that he has to pee meanwhile he's still drinking and it was just classic Murph is one of the funniest funniest moments of my life and it was on that trip you know correct me if I'm wrong that he got his tattoo right oh no no that was a different trip that was that was when Murph Caleb uh Ian and I went to Philadelphia but uh yeah we just had like so many good memories Murph and I you know took probably dozens of trips back and forth to Reebok when we were running regionals because Murph was really like my right-hand man during that. So, you know, Murph and I fought a lot. We, I probably wasn't the best boss at the time. Like I was probably this little dictator like Napoleon, you know, yelling. But uh, I, I can at least tell you whether he wants to believe it or not that I always tried to at least do my best, whatever that was at the time. Now, uh, it's funny you say you guys fought a lot. There, for the people who know Murph and people who don't, there's something called a Murph down. Where <laughs> I where totally forgot about that. You totally forgot about that? So <laughs> it's it's when uh, it's it's typically at an event, you know, at an event when, you know, he, he's stressed out about all things that need to be done and and there's a Murph down, like a breakdown or a, a meltdown, if you will. Uh, do you have, does any particular event come to mind of your favorite Murph down? <laughs> I'm laughing so hard. You know, and, and let me be clear, as you're saying that, Murph took it upon himself to just nail every detail. Like, that would be like, if you, if you asked me, like, in the cliche, the office question of, like, what's your biggest flaw? Like, Murph's would be, I care too much. You know, and, and not only that he cares too much, it's like, he pays attention to every detail and refused to delegate. Like that was Murph's MO. Yeah, it, I know working at events with him, you know, where I'll have to tell him you need to drink water because he yeah. won't drink water. He'll just and, keep going, lips all crusted up and whatnot. <laughs> it was like, it was always a matter of time before you saw him just in a complete sweat, like soaking wet because a lot of our competitions would be outside right? So just soaking wet, his face dripping. But then eventually, yeah, like you said, there would be the Murph down. <laughs> and it was yeah. like literally a word that we used. And I remember, I don't have like, I don't remember what competition it was, but Caleb and I would kind of have like an over-under. And it was out loud in front of Murph, like, hey, what time will the Murph down happen? Yeah. And, and I can't like pinpoint it, but I remember us, you know, in Caleb and I were probably like the two Muppets in the audience, like just egging it on, you know, like 
Well, the yeah, you guys thing... certainly knew how to, you know, the right buttons to push. That yeah. would like it'd be a button you would push and it would linger for the next 30 minutes and he'd be thinking about it. And and then other people would get in on it too. Like I know like Pat knows, you know, Pat knows what buttons to push. I know what buttons to push. So like everyone's kind of in on it on just adding, you know, it's kind of like um we're each pulling a, a, a one of those pieces out of that game. Was it Jenga? Jenga, it? yeah. Yeah, it's we're each like, pulling a, a, a bar out knowing that this could be the one that leads the Murph down. So, and then the other thing is like, Caleb and I just had this uncanny knack of not really caring enough. Like, not that we didn't, that's not the right term, but it was like, we didn't get stressed. Like, I was always of the belief, it's like, this will work. Like, it's a, and at the end of the day, it's just a competition. Who cares? Like, no one gets hurt. We're happy. Where Murph couldn't uh, detach himself. So I remember, you know, just being like, I remember like Caleb and I'd be like, oh, there it is. We're officially having a Murph down. And we would say it in front of him, which would get him even more upset. So it's like, you know, he's having the Murph down, but then us telling him that he's having it only magnified it like a thousand times. Yeah, because he would try to deny that he's not having it. And we would all just say, no, you are. And then he'd throw things. And <laughs> and it's like when someone's like, I'm not stressed out. And they're like, you're stressed out. Like that makes you more stressed out. And it was like that. And yeah, this episode may be useless because I'm laughing so hard thinking about it. No, but, no, that's all right. But yeah, I look back on those memories very fondly. And it's like, you know, I, I've often said, hey, if there's any period of time in my life that I could go back to, it would be that era of Albany CrossFit. And Murph was a big part of it. So Jay, any closing thoughts on having empathy and the whole wild ride of Jason Murphy? No, I think we really nailed it. If I were going to give one closing thought, last one, it's know the difference between empathy and sympathy. And it's a hard balance to have, but like empathy is you're trying to put yourself in those shoes and, and help them get through it. Where sympathy is just understanding someone's going through a shitty time and you know, you don't always have to kind of get in their head to try to fix it and solve it. Sometimes just a pat on the back with your members or your coaching staff or your friend and being like, hey, sorry you're going through this versus, hey, you know, let's get through this. Let's work. Like sometimes it's not about the nail. It's just a matter of being there for your friends. So know the difference, but have empathy always, but know the difference and know when it's appropriate to just, you know, be there for somebody. Any any closing thoughts on on the man no well of course i mean you've asked me you've this is like the third time you've asked me if i've had any clothing thoughts but well i want to see if i can dig up any other stories that might (laughs) pop up no just you know murph is an amazing dude i'm happy you know to to still to still know him still consider him a friend um and he's the person that everyone has a person in their lives hey if you need you know, there, there's a great scene in the town where he's like, hey, I need you to go get your baseball bat and beat these fuckers up with me. You can't, you know, you can't ask any questions. And I think uh, Jeremy Renner responds something like, who's driving? You know, that's Murph. Definitely. Thanks again for listening to that special episode of Best Hour of Their Day. If you enjoyed Go ahead and download the book. You can check out the audio book. You can check out the paperback or even the ebook. 
We place the link right in the show description. So once again, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day.